welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome back to the School of Last Podcast. Rick Roberts here, and this week I'm not in the studio with Gavin Miller. I'm actually in Washington, D.C. for the National Speakers Association Annual Conference, and I've got a special guest I want to introduce you to, Karen Eddington. Karen, tell me a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. My name's Karen Eddington. I am a mom comedian, so I talk, I I call it a conference comedian, too. Mm -hmm. I um, do comedy based on the struggles of family life, and I found out I'm not a good club comedian (laughs) but I fit in really well with conferences so I work with a lot of uh, marriage conferences I work with women youth and families but it's it's great I love what I do and how long have you been doing it well if if you want kind of the background I actually started off as a speaker I started off right out of college I did this college thesis and I started to get pulled in to speak on that and so I started speaking and I decided that I was going to be funny uh-huh. And I still remember, I still vividly remember standing up in front of the room and saying, I love humor. I'm going to tell you three things that are funny. And that right there was a big no-no. Yeah, <laughs> Give away the surprise. But there was no surprise because there was nothing funny. So <laughs> anyway, um, I, I failed. I failed miserably. And I could just feel it in the audience that they're like, oh, poor girl. You know, they kind of felt bad for me. And But what it did is it lit a fire in me. I just felt like I had to know. So I wrote... I started watching comedians, and every time I laughed, I almost paused it or stopped it, and I asked why. Like, why am I laughing? What are they doing right here? And it took me about... And then I started writing jokes. Mm -hmm. They started off terrible. They were almost just observations. I put a whole bunch of observations in my journal, and I did that for about six years, and... Um, it's just now about two years ago, I attended the National Speakers Association's Laugh Lab and it sparked something. Um, I felt, I finally felt like I could have the courage to take it to a stage. It goes on. So my first open mic night I did, uh, so I live in Utah. I had to drive an hour to get to it even. And I found out that the club environment wasn't the best place for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I got up there and I felt like I was watching like a, um, like a shoddy rap video with my grandma and I couldn't (laughs) hit the pause button. (laughs) So I was like, get a little rough in there for sure. Yeah, it was. And I don't get it. I love that. I love that humor means different things to different people. But here I was with this mom set about kids and family life. And I got up there and once again, nobody laughed. Actually, take that back. A drunk guy laughed, and I was so grateful. (laughs) And it was at all the wrong times. So (laughs) yeah. Now, I would. I was just picturing like Utah rough compared to like inner city Philly tough or rough kind of crowd. Like, (laughs) was Utah still rough, rough, or was it kind of like? No, it was. It was actually pretty rough. I know Utah's just like any other place. I know there's a lot of, (laughs) but it's just like any other place. It was there wasn't like gangbusters in there or anything. (laughs) Was it at a bar then? Like a like a one nighter kind of thing, or just a pure open mic? Where there wasn't any it was real op- headliner. Open mic. There was no headliner, um, but there was about twenty people trying out new sets, and it was a lot of new comedians that think you need to use shock humor. Mm-hmm. And um, so, anyway, it was it was a tough night, but I left that night. And it was funny because I had a conversation with my husband. I said, what, do I give up on my dream? Do I keep pursuing this? What do I do? And um, we decided it's okay. We went and we I branched off on my own. We started doing my own show. And I went from doing this two-minute open night mic, night set, to going. And I tried a half an hour show. 
and although it was tough and it didn't go perfectly I probably got like 10 laughs for 30 minutes <laughs> um, it it brought me out of the shadows of open mic I realized that I could do this and um, also that night at that comedy club I realized they I felt like nobody in that comedy club believed in me, but I believed in myself. I left that thinking, I can do this. Right. And I think that's something that else that just kind of lit something. Well, so. let's go back a little bit. When you sure. put a, a half hour set together and just made your own open mic night or made your own night where come out and see Karen? Like, where did it, where was okay, it? So How did you promote is, it? This is my community. It was right. I live in Brigham City, Utah, and I sent it uh, messages out to everyone. I am doing a free show, and I ended up getting a free venue. Uh, it was at the high school. They had a small theater. And uh, I just pulled as many people as I could in. I got about 45 people in there. And it was scary because I knew every one of those oh, yeah. people. <laughs> like, hello. And every time I messed up, I would just I'd say, like, hey, it's okay. It's a free night. So Did you start to tell a story about somebody and realize they're in the audience? Like, oh, Joe yeah, showed sorry, up. I can't Mom. do that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of family stuff probably, huh? Yeah. Because you're talking about your family in the show. And that th- first 30 minutes that you wrote out, uh, did you have kids at that point? Or were you newly married? How- yeah. So um, I... I have jet lag right now. I can't think if I had kids, but right now I have three kids. So I have an 11-year-old, 7-year-old, and a 2-year-old. So I've had kids for a while, and it's a a balance trying to figure out all this with kids, too. Right, but aren't they a great source of material? Oh, that is why I do comedy. If I can laugh, I can survive. They are a great source. I constantly have my notebook out. In fact, the other day, my little 2-year-old was like, Hey, Mom, I can't find my, what did he say, my Hiffenkoffen. (laughs) (laughs) And I couldn't figure the life and figure it out. It was handcuffs. And um, uh, <laughs> anyway, his hip and coffin. His so. hip and, I'll throw one in that my kids said that they got a little three year old girl. Where I'm trying to get her to sing because I think she has like a singing voice just for fun. And so we were singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat. And so this, this is how I, we said it. I was like, Row, Row, Row Your Boat. And she was singing along. And we get to the merrily, 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 merrily part. And then I stopped to let her sing. And she goes, life has broke my dreams. Oh. And I was like laughing so hard. And she got That's a little so upset good. because I was laughing. You know, she's so like, what true. did I do? And I'm like, you just put another five bucks in your college fund. I'm going to be telling that story once I get all the kinks. But, you know, life, is, life has trapped my dreams. Life has broke, broke my, my dreams. dreams. It's so life. true, though. So, yeah. I've always found, good. do you find, even though you do uh, primarily family-type material, that I find that I can talk about my kids for an X amount of minutes, and I can rotate the jokes into that seven-minute chunk or whatever. But you know, after eight or nine minutes, people are like, either they want to talk about their kids, or they're like, "We get it. Yeah, you we're love done. your kids." Yeah, I find that a lot actually. Even though I talk to family-centered audiences, I have got to move topics on because, and here's kind of something else. Um, I've heard the question about um, gender too. If, if you write different as gender, what's it like being a woman comedian? And that's one of the things is. Um, I have to write in unexpected ways. As a mom, people expect me to talk about my kids. Mm-hmm. And I watch a lot of comedians like, um, oh, Gaffigan. You know, he talks about his kids. But it's kind of fun to watch him because he talks about them in unexpected ways. A lot of times, uh, like a male isn't is there in the life of mm-hmm. their kids as much as the mom. And so I feel like I need to approach things in, in unexpected ways. How are people not going to think about this? And I feel like that goes for, it's not just a gender thing. That goes for every every time we write comedy, we need to think about the unexpected way. They don't want to hear a mom talk about her kids and show them the pictures and all that. I got to find new, fresh ways to, to try and share it so I don't overwhelm them. And I do have to watch those topics. I, I can't, I can't do do an hour show about kids, but I can do I can add stuff about laundry and matinees and whatever else. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a little tricky to find the balance, although you know, some crowds will give you longer leeway and longer runway at those stories and others. That's interesting. When you um so let's get back to your story. So you put the thirty minute set together and did that first show for forty five people in the high school auditorium that you got for free, which everybody listening, you could probably do the same thing if you just yeah. p- put the things in motion. So what was your next step after that? Uh after that I so I got some video out of it and I watched it. I watched it over and over and I thought, how can I make this better? <laughs> because it really wasn't that good. And I ended up getting um, right off. It's, it kind of embarrasses me now to think about the next gig I got, but I got booked. So I've been speaking and so I got um, a marriage celebration. They asked me to come do the entertainment for that and I probably wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. I was not at all. <laughs> so, But they, it was... Um, It was supposed to be 20 minutes long, and I think I did 15 minutes of material. But when I finished that, I just remember jumping up and down and celebrating. And the reviews were actually interesting. I got some good ones, and I got some bad ones. But it helps me grow. I think that's with all of us. We have to, you just have to do it. Right. And there's a lot of fears that can come in, like, what are those evaluations going to be like or whatnot. But I did that event, and it pushed me again. So... Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've been thinking uh, in terms of past five or six years, especially just totally separating me from the material. And I talked with another guy here that has listened to the podcast and taken the online course, and he was like, "One of the podcasts, you said something about you know, just analyze the jokes and don't take it personally." And it took me a long time to do that, but you did that fairly early on. Like you know, the feedback was concrete data points of here's where I can change things or here's what I keep, right? And so yeah. to not be afraid of feedback and to actually ask for it, and if it if you need to pay a couple of buddies to come and watch the show and take notes or whatever, do that for other comedians, and just don't take it so personally you can really learn a lot from it yeah you can you're giving me um a thought that i had too when i was at that nsa laugh lab um they actually pulled me up to tell a story and they were correcting me and one of the biggest lessons i got judy carter who wrote the comedy mm-hmm. bible happened to be there and she looked at me i was standing on a stage in front of a hundred people who were all my heroes by the way and it was really uncomfortable and she looked at me i told a story about salad and being hungry and she said karen be a stomach and I had never felt so uncomfortable in my whole life she's giving me feedback she's trying to help me and I had no idea what to do yeah. but um she says just animate you you don't even have to like turn into a blob on stage you just say yo Karen feed me I'm hungry she's trying to teach me how to animate it and because I was willing to put myself in that really uncomfortable situation she gave me a tip that I it clicked of how you can do your act outs it helped me a lot so sometimes it's gonna take some discomfort right. to get better right and that's a technique that bill cosby before the recent thing (laughs) recent stuff came to light but he always personification i think is the technique where you give a body part or an object or something and a voice and let them be part of a character in your show which you can call back and make reference to throughout so it's it's a pretty cool thing that they did with you and paused you there and so you became a stomach and turned out the rest of your set there in front of people analyze isn't it tough it's way to stop you and say Stop here, right down. Take it this direction. Yeah. Well, cool. my brain wouldn't couldn't do it, but when I got back home, I realized I wrote down like ten different ways you could be a stomach. You know, like right. I was like Dora the Explorer, like on her way. Scooby Doo. How would he do that? What about a football team? You know, you just start list building out all the ways you really could be a stomach. Like, it, yeah. So you just get creative with things. Um, but yeah, 
There you go. Cool. So you did the marriage thing, and then you felt good about that. It was a shorter set. You probably had a few more laughs in a shorter amount of time. Right. Yeah. So I you started. Felt the pace. I, I had a couple of big laughs in that too. They were bigger than I thought. Oh, this is gonna work. I think this is gonna work. Um, and it took. It just took more time. Um, I ended up with a media spot, and I just had been contributing locally to a media spot, and they they pulled me in to do one on laughter, and so that was another thing that helped as well. Um, and then yeah, just did. Just kept doing shows. I ended up finding another open mic night that worked great for me and uh, kept trying things out there as well. And yeah, now I, I the last show I did was 45 minutes long. It wasn't perfect by any means. I feel like I'm still learning and growing, but I was so excited that I had a couple sets with 10 laughs per minute. And I thought, this is great. It's it's a rush and it makes me want to do more. Yeah, you shot me a video of, of some of that. Yeah. You got it up on YouTube and we'll link to that in the show notes. But yeah, you were getting laughs. Boom, 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 boom. So, so you've it's got that in, in burst now, oh, right? It's such a good feeling. And you just want to make sure the rest of it at some point connects with that. And yeah. 45 minutes of that's going to rock the world, right? Yeah. So you're getting there. That's cool. What do you do now that you're still, um, you know, you're kind of in that developmental stage, but you've done speaking for a while, so people know you as a speaker. And have you had to reintroduce yourself to some of your past clients and say, hey, now I do this as well, and here's something extra I can offer you? Yes. So that's exa- the exact process I'm in right now is basically rebranding. People have known me because I started off doing self-worth programs. Um, now I do confidence and comedy programs, and it's great. I've been able to break it down. I actually have six programs that I do for people, and I'm trying to break it down even more so it's more simple. But the way I put it is that I, I help family-centered audiences to improv relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's great. To, it's, I love it. I'm, I'm just excited to take off with the brand but it's just take it it's going to just take more work i know that i look forward and it's going to take some contacting it's going to take some patience it's going to take some work so yeah and you've got well you've got the youtube clips up so they can see a little yeah. sample of it now and you've written a book in the past is that, is that right i have yeah i did two but, books and one of them was called today i live the other one was on self-worth so okay so you're working on a book for this comedy and yes uh-huh. i am working on a comedy book um it's more it's i think Half of it's for me because I'd spent those six years not having the courage to do much with it. But in notebooks, I just have notebooks and notebooks full of things. I've tried to convert them into techniques. Um, I've just tried to piece it together so I could understand it better. Yeah, and I'm trying to get that into a book format. Well, that'd be sweet, huh? Yeah. Be able to help promote things. And here at the conference, you're actually presenting a... Is it a 30 or 45 minute program? It's a 30 minute program. On the last day of the conference on some things you can do to be originally funny. Right. And you put together some tips. You want to share a couple of tips sure. with our um, folks? Just a couple of ideas. You know, and um, I, I feel so excited to be on this podcast. I call um, Rick Roberts my comedy Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think the biggest comedy tip that I could share is actually just understanding misdirection. Mm-hmm. And that's what I learned from you, Rick. It's so great. I feel so grateful because misdirection never really clicked for me until I took your class and um, I love it it's just it's about creating a diversion it's about creating that surprise and it clicked for me um, with all the things that I had written in the notebooks you know um, I feel like punchlines are really just forms of misdirection mm-hmm. and I feel like you can break it down and it, it can be explained kind of like the rule of three everyone talks about the rule of three in comedy you know how your first your first example is really simple your, and the third one's the one that's out there and I've started to see things like contrast the bigger your contrast contrast in those the bigger the laugh right so and before you were kind of like 
the, in the premise, you were telling them what you were going to tell them, and the punchline, you were giving them examples of what you set up, as opposed to surprising them. Exactly. I found that. I found um, my audiences initially would smile at me a lot, but they wouldn't give me that that laugh. And I realized it's in the surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also... It, I mean, it's everything you've taught in your class, but it's also in um, being really short and concise and clear because an audience won't laugh if they're confused. They're not going to laugh if there's no surprise and they're not going to laugh if there's no contrast either. If right. they don't feel that that serious moment to that that extreme example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. That's so cool. I'm glad you picked learned. those things up. Tell us, um, yeah, let's see. We got, I like this. Okay. Can you tell us a few reasons why audiences may not laugh yeah. and what you can do to maybe solve that problem? Okay, very good. So one of them, I just said that earlier, audiences won't laugh if they're confused. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it helps if you get clear in the least amount of words possible. Another thing you can do with that, too, is make sure there's punch lines. And I realize that there's also punch words. Your, your quirkiest, most funny, unique, surprising words should be at the end. And I realize you can use your voice, too. Like, you can punch it with your voice. Um it's exactly like a boxer, you know, mm-hmm. like the punch word. I, that never clicked for me until then, too. So if they're confused, if you see that, I guess the biggest thing is just edit, 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 and get that punch word in the right place. Um, get it as clear and simple as possible. Another thought, um, have you ever noticed this, too, when audiences are unsafe, that they don't laugh? Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't feel safe either in front oh, of this no. audience that doesn't feel safe. So, yeah. that, so by safe, you mean like that you're in control of the stage and that they, they're in the right place or physically unsafe like both like you're okay. going to bully them? Or so they won't laugh if they feel bad or if they're worried mm-hmm. about you doing okay, but they won't laugh if they feel unsafe in a room. If they feel, for example, like room setup. If the room's not set up in a comfortable environment, um, I was in one room, there were pillars everywhere. It, like this room, there's circle tables. People were looking at each other and they were kind of looking around side to side, worried about what other people were going to think of them when they were laughing. Right. And so you have to make sure that they're in an environment where they feel safe to laugh. Gotcha. And sometimes you can't always control the safety of a room. Sometimes sometimes people just feel kind of uncomfortable in certain situations. But the more you, the more you can make people feel at ease, the more likely they're going to laugh. You know, this, that reminds me of a story that uh, there's a magician around the Atlanta area named Arthur Asthma. He's hilarious and super smart. And he gave an example at a different conference I went to recently about he used to do this joke where he'd have a knife in a paper bag. And he would move the paper bags around. The audience always kind of knew where the knife was. He pretended he didn't. But the joke just didn't work because they were terrified that he would actually stab himself. Yeah. And, he, you know, he tried moving it later in the show. And it, they still, they were never comfortable. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. And he just finally said, you know what, as great of a, as a trick it might be, they're totally uncomfortable. And I'm putting them in a place where they're not supposed to be at a comedy show. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's good to isolate that and think about it when things aren't going right. That might be one of the reasons for sure. What yeah. other things might cause so, them to kind of um, clam up? So another one, I found that, uh, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but if they're not experiencing a contrast, um, so I had a lot of setups. I was trying to put funny ideas in my setup and everything all along the way. You can't just stay at a funny high all along. You have to get real. And I found that what helps for me is to not try to be funny at all. Really just try and get real. And so the... The more serious you can get. I just watched a clip from Joe Machi last year. He had somewhere he really 
took it down mm-hmm. and got really serious about a serious issue and then bam he threw in a surprise and the laugh was huge it was huge and I found that the bigger your emotional contrast and the bigger the surprise contrast it tends to be the bigger the laugh so that's kind of a good one that's, that's a great me. one yeah, get him. I've got a couple of jokes now where I, I don't try to make him cry but mentally it's kind of where I'm trying to get him like like they're almost like been punching the stomach like, ooh that's hard and then you hit him with that punch line and th- that gap between the low point and the high point is so big that the laughs have to be big enough to fill up that space but you're right if you're kind of in the middle the whole time and your punch line just 60 percent instead of there's no difference they can't discern where the joke is yeah yeah and um i love how you just said that they can't discern where the joke is Ooh, i kind of want to write that down in my notebook oh feel free <laughs> <laughs> they can't discern where the joke is good cool and it's all about the surprise right? yeah and so i think that's kind of a last example an audience it's right along with contrast but they're not going to laugh if they're not surprised and so they use misdirection that's really that's really the biggest thing that's helped me and I hope it can help someone else too is really understand what misdirection is I had a magician that just told me that it's about creating a diversion Um, he was explaining how he as a magician uses misdirection and looking at it from his context is how he's trying to avert your eyes from his hand when he's doing a sleight of hand and we do the exact same thing but with words and it's about trying to create like a thought shifting moment in the least amount of words possible right yeah so that's that's just the biggest tip understand your misdirection and it can change so much that's excellent it sounds like yeah. you've really gotten control of the the comedy concepts from the very first night where nobody was really laughing and yeah <laughs> in, I guess in that's a tough environment where you didn't feel safe probably that that bar gig the first one out there that's cool so here at the conference um what are the things you're trying to pick up while you're here there's a, this is the national speaker association conference they've got breakouts on any, anything from how to s- pitch yourself to associations to improv they've got storytelling marketing, marketing branding yeah. selling a book what were your major is it a networking thing this time around it sounds like maybe uh, i really just love being connected with people in comedy i think in the location i'm at i think that's why i was so excited i love rick roberts podcast and i think it's because i live out in northern utah where there are no other comedians around me and i feel so grateful anytime i connect up with it like the energy that that other people in comedy provide me make all the difference i feel like i can write if i get their energy so i just wanted to be connected to other people that love comedy um i found that i love it i'm very passionate about comedy so if anyone else there wants to talk comedy ever it makes me excited so <laughs> it's fun it's and, good and there are some very funny people here uh Jeannie robertson who's one of our favorites i think yes. we both agree that she's just i don't know if there's any funnier female out there i mean there's, there's some that are pretty close but she is to me just is the brilliant. queen of comedy and great storyteller and can do a lot of great things on stage and and i've got to see her not only um you know talk and speak but she's in the front row of all these conferences taking notes and learning still so it's pretty incredible that she has that mind of a learner and i assume most people listen to podcasts are kind of in the same way like regardless of your level you got to remember you got to keep learning that's why i'm here to pick up some more things and hopefully share that with the folks on the podcast as well yeah it's good i actually um a session on saturday Jeannie robertson did and i stayed after to chat with her and she was so gracious and so kind and she chatted with me and um one of the things that they said is um that she 
she's probably not the funniest person in the world, but you will never see anyone work so hard. Yeah. And she said she's always creating material. And it, it just was inspiring to me that she she was constantly, constantly trying to write and come up with something new. So that was that was a good moment for yeah, me. Yeah, good example that she's leading there, you know, for all of us comics. Well, cool. It looks like they need to break down the uh, banquet room tables and run us out of here. That's good. <laughs> uh, Karen, tell them you got a website where yes. they can come um, see your videos and yeah, find out more about Yeah, come check me out. I'm at momcomedian.com. And yeah, come on over and say hi. Drop me an email if you'd like. And are you um, on the Twitter? Are you on that stuff? Well, uh, yes, but I haven't checked it for six months. Oh. So <laughs> you're like you me. It took me, me <laughs> took me a long time to figure <laughs> out. I, like I set it up and then I yeah. forgot about it. And it's, it, I have a handle at momcomedian.com, uh, just at momcomedian. So uh, if you tweet me, I will do my best to figure this out and tweet back. There you so, go. Here yeah. you go. It's one of those things we got to pick up. Well, now they've left. But um, thank you guys very much for listening to the podcast. I was happy to introduce you to Karen. Uh, I know you guys got some good tips out of that. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.